Hey, what's up everybody? Joe, REI in your car. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how you are not an employee of your buyers and you're not employees of the owners. So I've been thinking a lot about this and my good friend Tom Kroll over at Wholesaling Inc. did a video on YouTube the other day that I was looking at. And by the way, you all should check out their YouTube channel. If you go to Wholesaling Inc., you'll find their YouTube channel. They got a lot of good stuff on there. And if you're interested in learning wholesaling, there's nobody out there that teaches it better than Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffine. <clears throat> so big shout out to those guys. Um, and by the way, Tom, if you're listening to this, I, I expect a shout out back. <laughs> Just kidding, kinda. But anyway, what I'm saying is, he said something that was really, really powerful and I've been thinking a lot about this. You gotta be real careful when you're doing traditional wholesaling to not become an employee of the cash buyer. You are not a cash buyer employee. So it's really important that when you're wholesaling a deal, uh, you have a bunch of buyers and you want to farm the deal out to all of your buyers and get them to compete with against each other on their deals. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, but you know, I only, I have two or three buyers that I work with and they're reliable. I can count on them to close, but guess what? That's nice but you're gonna be making a lot less money that you, than you could be if you were smart about it, okay? So when you start working only with a handful of buyers, I've seen this happen over and over again, and this happened to me in the past, um, they expect, because they're bringing you so much business, they don't like it when you make as much money as you do. They don't want you to make 15, 20 grand on a deal off of them, right? So that's why you have to make sure you do it smart and you um, farm your deals out to multiple buyers and get them to bid on it, okay? So as an example, if you've got a house that's worth $200,000, you get it under contract for 130. Um, it's worth 200 fixed up, and you get it under contract for 130. You could sell it for 135, 140, make a $5,000, $10,000 assignment fee. Well, if you're working with just one or two buyers over and over again, you're probably going to be only making five grand on the deal max. So that that now that you're a cash buyer employee, you might only be making. Uh, $5,000 on that deal, where if you would have put it out on the market or maybe even just close on it and put it on the MLS, you would be making 15 to 20 grand easily on that deal. But because you uh, are falling back on what's more comfortable, you're going to be making a lot less money. And I don't want you to do that. All right. So don't become the cash buyer employee. Stop doing that. Now, related to that, this goes to becoming more in the lease option realm of things, right? Where I like lease options. And in fact, I would have a debate with Tom Kroll that lease options are actually easier to do than traditional wholesaling is for a couple reasons. But the big main one being uh, there's a lot less competition for lease option deals. While all these wholesalers are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on marketing and direct mail and throwing away leads that don't have any equity, uh, and they're getting one out of every 20 to 30 offers accepted, I can get three out of 20 or 30 offers accepted because I can do something with these leads that don't have any equity. I can do lease options and owner financing and stuff like that. So <clears throat> it's there's less competition for these deals. 
And um, there's more sellers out there that are motivated that have only a little equity than there are motivated sellers with a lot of equity. Do you see what I'm saying? So anyway, in regards to this whole conversation of not being an employee of the cash buyers, you also, when you're doing lease options, guys, listen, pay attention. You should not be the buyer or the, the employee of the seller. You understand what I'm saying about that? You are not the employee of the seller. And I'm getting this question a lot from my clients and students. They're, they're making a lease option offer to the seller and they've, they've gotten into selling presentation pitch mode. So they're talking to a seller about a lease option and they're in, the, in this mode of presenting and trying to convince them that, of why they should do a lease option. <clears throat> They're presenting all the benefits and how awesome lease options are and why they should do it, and et cetera. That's the completely wrong positioning, guys. Uh, you're not brokers. You are investors, and you're looking for deals, okay? Because what happens if you get into that pitch mode, then the seller is going to be like, well, I want to make, I want to have at least you know, $5,000 security deposit, or I need to make at least, I need to have some kind of security deposit, or I need to have at least um, $5,000 in the option deposit money, or uh, I need to, I can't do it more than one year, or I have to sell it for this price or whatever. <clears throat> um, or I, I want to approve the, the tenant buyer that you put in there. We have to use my contracts. Like all of this crap. No, that's not how it works. I want to shout it from the rooftops, but I'm trying to be nice and polite. You, you are not an employee to the seller. You're not a broker. You're not representing the seller. You need to, when you're talking to the sellers, make the offer. Hey, I'm looking for a nice house in a nice area. I see your house here. It looks really nice. Um, you might have asked you a few questions about why, uh, about the house to see if it would even be interested, something I'd be interested in selling. You understand my question there? It's like, I, I'm looking for a nice house in a nice area. Do you have a nice house? Is your house still available? Cool, yeah. It looks like a great house. Why would you even want to sell it? Why haven't you sold it yet? Why don't you just list it with a realtor? What are you going to do if you can't sell it? Are you going to rent it out? You know, so you're the one asking the question. Is it a nice home? Nice area? Good school districts? What, what do you think it's worth? What would be the least you'd sell it for? Why that price? How did you come up with that price? What kind of work does it need? You need to be the one asking all the questions. And when you make your offer, that's it. You just make your offer. They take it or leave it. And when you make your offer, you have to give them a deadline of when to get back to you. You can't just leave it and send it to them. Now, having said that, if, if they're cold, if it's a cold lead, maybe on a scale of a 1 to 10, they're a 1 to a 5 which are most of the leads, right? I still like to send them some kind of letter of intent, something in the mail, just so I can have something to follow up with them on later on. But like, when they're, if they are interested in doing a lease option, make the offer and give them a deadline to say yes or no, I'm in or you're out, right? And it's, it's you're the one who's making the, uh, the call on this. They're not dictating the terms. Now, there's still room for negotiation. It's price or terms. So if they want a higher price, then they got to give you your terms. If they want shorter terms, then they got to give you your price. So it's give and take. If you're giving them anything, they need to give you something back. That's only fair. That's the way business is done. So no more of this stuff where a seller says, I, I'll do a lease option, but I got to make five grand. And then you're like, oh, well, um, uh, okay, I can do that. Like, how are you going to make your money? 
Where's the money going to come from? You've got to get something back from them. And you're, you're positioning this as not as a, hey, I'm going to find a tenant buyer for your house. You're positioning it as, I am going to lease option this house. I'm going to be the tenant. I'm going to take care of the vacancies, maintenance, and repairs. And um, I'm going to, I call it my perfect tenant program, right? I'm going to be the tenant. What if the tenant trashes the property? I'll take care of it. What if they don't buy the house? Well, then I'll get another tenant buyer in there to buy the house. So you got to stay in control. Get your big boy pants on and start making offers. Don't sell a lease option program. They, you need to be the reluctant buyer. Let the seller sell you on their house. Why would you want to do business with them? Why would you want to do a, a lease option on their house? Make sense, guys? Play the role of the reluctant buyer. Get them to sell you and just ask questions. You know, um, do you, would you rather have, do you want me to deal with the tenants and the headaches and the hassles or do you want to deal with all that yourself? Just ask, ask the questions. And uh, so I don't know if this all makes sense because if you've not, if you don't understand what I teach with wholesaling lease options and the difference between uh, assigning a lease option and staying in the middle with a sandwich lease option, you might be a little lost in what I'm saying. But sometimes, you know, when, when I, it, 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 one of the struggles I have with teaching this stuff is people, when, they, when they're making a lease option offer, of course the seller wants more money for their house. And so that's why they'll want to do the assignment instead of, so you got to be real careful with giving the sellers two different options. If they're open to a lease option, just make the sandwich lease option offer. That's it. Don't make the lease option assignment offer. If they say no to a lease option and they're stuck on their price and they're stuck on their terms, then you could say, listen, maybe I can make this work. Um, but I'm going to do it as a lease option assignment. And you tell them how it's going to be done. All right. All right. I just did a Facebook post uh, the other day about how to handle objections when it comes to lease options. And you should go to my Facebook page and check that out. Um, it's just if you go to Joe McCall in Facebook, you search for wholesaling lease options, Joe McCall, you'll find my page, not my group, but my page. And in there, uh, as I'm recording this, it was like around January 10th. I um, put in there a, a really, really good post that you should read about how to, how, to, how to handle objections and some of the things that you can say to sellers. Um, so go check that out. And uh, I'm out of here. That's all I got to say. One more thing too, um, if you want my book where I talk about this kind of stuff and I talk about how to talk to sellers, go get it. WLObook.com. WLObook.com. That's my uh, podcast. I mean, that's my book link. It's free. You just pay for shipping. I'll send it out to you. It's a real book. And uh, it just takes a few hours to read, a couple hours maybe. And it's so funny. I, I worked so hard on that book, man. It took me forever to write it. And I sent it to the printer and they gave it back to me. And I was like, this is it? Like It's, it's only like uh, less than a half inch thick, more than a quarter inch. And uh, I was like, oh, wow. I, put, I worked really hard to write that thing. But I'm glad it's that short because it shouldn't be any longer than that. It's a really, really simple business and it's not that complicated. So go get it. It's all about wholesaling lease options and how I quit my job. When the market was similar to what it is now, it's slowing down and it's falling, um, I was doing a ton of lease options. So as we're coming into the slow market, as cash buyers are pulling their money out of the market, as it's getting harder and harder. I just talked to a client um, yesterday they're rehabbers, fix and flippers. And uh, they're in somewhere in the southern market, southern half of the U.S. And in a normally really, really hot market where they would sell houses within days of it going on the MLS, 
they put a ton of money into these two rehabs. It sat on the market for four months and they barely made anything on it. So this is happening. I'm hearing this over and over and over again. So if you're relying on just wholesaling and just fixing and flipping and rehabbing and all that, you've got to open up your mind to creative real estate, to lease options, owner financing and things like that. Um, or else you're just not going to do it. You, you know, if you, if you're okay with getting one out of every 20 or 30 offers accepted, fine, stick with just the cash model. But if you want to get three, uh, offers accepted out of every 20 or 30, then start thinking about creative financing, lease options, owner financing, that cool stuff. Get my book, wlobook.com. We'll see you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.